Canucks Central Wednesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over five, um, by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? At some point, I'm going to get the old read out of my head. I mean, we're only at game, what, 59 yeah. <laughs> coming up? At some point, it'll happen. Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Maine or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. Kevin Woodley is going to join us. Talk Casey DeSmith giving up a 10 spot. Well, I guess uh, 8 spot. 8 spot, yes. To the Minnesota Wild. Sorry, Casey. I didn't mean to... Poor Casey. <laughs> to put extra. Giving him the two extra goals. <laughs> I only gave up eight. I only gave up eight. Check your notes, Reach. I called the game. I should have known that. Um, There's so many goals. There was so many goals. Uh, he's he's going to join us, and uh, we'll talk goalie, goaltending and where the Canucks are at right now with, uh, with Kevin Woodley. Plus, uh, we'll get into the matchup with Seattle tomorrow as uh, potential I-5-ery is... I wouldn't say shaping up for the playoffs, but there's a possibility it could happen uh, in the playoff picture as things currently sit. Yeah, there's a real possibility, and yeah. it's a bit of a snail race in the wild card chase. Wild card too, yeah. Yeah, and you know, right now the St. Louis Blues have felt like playing, but they've kind of gone to sleep a couple of games. The Preds looked like they were done; they won a couple in a row. Uh, and Seattle, and they've all they've done is play 500 hockey the last. Uh, the last 10 games, yep. but it still has them within striking distance, only three points back of the wild card spot. And that's kind of what I would love to see if the Canucks are fortunate enough to get the top seed in the conference and they're playing the second wild card team. Out of all the possibilities, yes, it's Seattle I'd rather see. Uh, Seattle would be a lot of fun. Really yeah. kickstart the geographical. Uh, rivalry we've been waiting for. 100%. And it's not even about, oh, like, uh, it's because, you know, you feel like the Canucks should and sh- can win that series. It's about... Oh, it would just be hella fun. 100%. <laughs> it's great. Uh, just think about all of the people that would be trying to go down to Seattle and, and get into that game at Climate Pledge. And maybe vice versa. Seattle fans trying to get up to Vancouver and uh, storm oh, yeah. the barn here at Rogers Arena. There'll be a few. I mean, it'd be fantastic. Uh, it, would be, it would be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll get into that as the Canucks close out their uh, three-game roadie with the Seattle crowd. And tomorrow, um, I I don't know. It, I, I feel like we we've come into the show with a much more positive tone than uh, what I've seen and heard from <laughs> fans and listeners over the last twenty four hours. Sat yeah, Canucks for the first time this season losing three in a row, um, and they fall three one to the the Colorado Avalanche last night. But. If, if you're coming away from last night's game and saying the Canucks can't match up with the best in the West, I, you're out to lunch. I, I, I couldn't really find another nicer way to put it. Well, they lost, Dan. They did lose. Facts only, they lost. But they were right there with Colorado for most of the night. And they kept McKinnon at bay. I mean, he had his chances, 10 <laughs> shots, but they contained him, right? You can only, you can't stop Nathan McKinnon. You can only hope to contain him and that top line. They allowed like, what, eight shots to the rest of the Avs? Just so happened they scored on two of them. And that's the kind of tough luck that the Canucks haven't had a lot of this year. In fact, they've had a lot of good luck for most of the year. I'm not trying to say that they're perfect or anything like that, but... Uh, this is a team that's maybe going through 
a little bit of a spell getting bad bounces. Their special teams is colds. Other than that, they've played fairly well these last couple of games. A three-game losing streak was bound to happen at some point during the season. The sky isn't falling. This is just uh, what happens genuinely to teams across the league for the most part, except for the Vancouver Canucks this year. And now, what the Canucks haven't done in these games is come through in big moments. Yes. And I do think that is something they have to showcase. Like, I do think as they play Vegas a few more times, as they face uh, That's Colorado That's the thing you're going to have to do well in come playoff time. Yes. So there are certain things that I want to see them respond and do, but I don't come away watching these three games as thinking that the Canucks don't deserve to be in the same conversation in terms of fighting with these teams. Like, I, I don't see the gap being that big because a lot of the things the Canucks did wrong... They were self-inflicted wounds and things yes. that you can do a lot better. And give Colorado credit. They can play a really clean game, and they did. The Canucks played a clean game as well. Obviously couldn't score more than the JT Miller goal, and it brings us back to the power play, which was a big topic of conversation on the post-game show. And I mentioned, like, I didn't come away feeling really bad about how the Canucks performed, but would I like to see Pedersen have a better game? Yes. Would I have, would I have liked to see the, um, Quinn Hughes maybe take control of certain aspects of the game? Yes, I would like to see that. Would I like to see the power play come alive? Yes, please. Yes. And I want seconds. Like, please bring more. <laughs> uh, please, sir, can I have some more? Or anything, really. <laughs> the power play's been going that bad, right? And I- I'm not sure what else to say about it, but it's a concern as to how cold the power play has been and all of these things that they're trying, all of the different looks that they're going through machinations, putting this guy in that spot, trying this play and that play. None of it seems to be working. And ultimately like the two things that made the Canucks power play work so well in its previous iterations were Quinn Hughes and JT Miller essentially quarterbacking it. And moving Miller off of the left half wall has essentially changed all of that. So now you're getting something that feels very awkward and new for the most part, despite most of the players being the same. Yeah, I mean, that's something they just, I think, have to get back to putting JT. Just get back to putting JT on the half wall. Yeah, on the left side, and just go back to doing the simple things and get a lot of shots on goal. Like I'm, I'm so sick of watching them just keep him on the outside. Gotta get shots on goal. Like it's it's really simple. Like we we got to the point when like on the Canucks power play, go back to your positions where you're comfortable and shoot pucks on net. Like yes. that it's as simple <laughs> as that. There's nothing else we need to really elaborate on on the power play right now. They didn't get enough shots, nearly enough shots last night. Uh you mentioned Pedersen's game. And I I don't know, I don't think he was great last night. I also don't think he was bad. He had like there were some real good chances that they created in the third period with with him on the ice. You know, it felt like it felt like another game where Patterson was good, just not great or elite like we expect him to be. Well, and that's a fair thing to look at in his game. Like he's been productive against top ten teams. I know there are certain you know games he hasn't had points now, Colorado and Boston. And everything, but if you go through the top ten teams, yeah, he's scored points against them. But in terms of, we know what Pedersen looks like when he's on top of his game and he has a two-way 
acumen going. He's creating for himself. He's controlling the puck really well. Yep. It's not quite at that level. I did think he handled the puck better against Colorado. I thought he had a strong third. But your description of him is very much what you can describe him as the last little while. Good, not great, with some great moments sprinkled in. Yeah. And that's why he's still top five in league scoring. That's why, you know, he leads the league in game winning goals and and you can't dismiss his pr- production. But we know he's not playing at the level that you want to see him play at, right? And I don't think it's unfair to want to see him truly elevate against these top teams. So, like, I get that. And it, it needs to happen. And it needs to happen more often than we've essentially seen it in the last little while. But one thing I couldn't really get on board with was the constant comparing him with, with Nathan McKinnon. And, I mean, I get it. Nathan McKinnon is one of the best players in the league. We know Elias Pettersson to be one of the best players in the league. But at the same time, we can all see that Nathan McKinnon is sort of a cut above, right? The thing is, there's like there's three forwards in the league that I consider to be in their own tier set. It's Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, and Nathan McKinnon. That's that's the three. That's the three tier one forwards in the National Hockey League. I'd actually say it's McKinnon and McDavid, and then Matthew's a tier below. Okay. But then, like, he's kind of by himself. Maybe him and Pasternak. All right. That's kind of how I would view it. Like, I, I think McDin- McKinnon and McDavid are by, by far the two best, most impactful players in the league. So They live in their own stratosphere. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not going to quibble with you on this. This is the not Toronto. It's Maple Leaf Sky. The the point of my argument was to be why are they <laughs> tier one players? Because those are the three highest yes. paid players in the league. Fair. And they're the only players in the league that have garnered a contract that is worth more than fifteen percent of the cap when they signed it. So Connor McDavid, when he signed his twelve and a half million per year over mm-hmm. eight years, it was sixteen point something percent of the cap. It's the highest in the league. It is still the highest in the league. It has not been bested. McKinnon technically is paid more on an annual basis right now, but when he signed his new deal, which just kicked in this year, it was over 15% of the cap, just a little bit above. When Matthew's new deal kicks in next year, it is also over 15% of the cap. Those are the only three guys in the league that are over 15% of the salary cap. Sidney Crosby, when he signed his last contract in 1934, it was 14.5% of the cap. And so those guys, they're in their own tier. We know they should be in their own tier, and they're paid like it. But right now we're in this weird spot where we're essentially grading Elias Pettersson on a contract he has yet to sign. So we're guessing at what that number might be. 12 and a half. Maybe it's 13. I don't know what it might be. Reality is nobody in the league that isn't in that tier one of player has signed for more than 14% of the cap. So even at the absolute ceiling of where Elias Pettersson should be on his next deal, it should be 14% of the cap, which in the summer with an estimated cap of $87.5 million would be 12 and a quarter million on an average annual basis. Does he get that? I have no freaking clue. What I do know is that's probably where the ceiling is for Elias Pettersson's next contract on an annual basis. And that's what it should be because 
He is not that tier one of player. Doesn't mean you can't win a cup with a player like him on your team. You're still way more likely to win a pl- win a cup with that player on your team than not on your team for all those people trying to trade away Elias Pettersson because they don't think he's worth $12 million. If you really think about it in that sense, you're more likely to win a, a cup with that second tier of player than the top one because Matthews and McDavid have yet to win their Stanley Cups. I don't necessarily agree with that narrative. I'm just throwing it out there. Two of the top three players in this tier have not won a Stanley Cup. Guys like Jack Eichel, Ryan O'Reilly, Andre Kopitar, Jonathan Taves, whoever you would consider in that next tier, third tier of centermen in the league, they won cups. You can do it, and you need to stop thinking that you can't win a cup with this player because he's not Nathan McKinnon. That's... That was my takeaway from last night's game. Now, the thing, though, is as you outline, 14% versus 15% is a difference of, what, four, five hundred k Yes. So I hear what you're saying, <laughs> but when people look at it and say well, he's not Nathan McKinnon... Well, it is now because the, the cap is taking a significant jump this summer for the first time in a while. And we'll see how it all kind of unfolds here. But nonetheless, I think we all agree that Nathan McKinnon is more than 500000 or $400,000 per year better than Elias Pettersson. Yeah, than right? Elias. Yeah. I think everyone in the, yeah. in the world yeah. agrees yeah. with that, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's not Pettersson's fault. That's actually guys like McKinnon and McDavid not taking a bigger share mm-hmm. of what perhaps they should and could be taking. Well, McKinnon seemed to want or understand he could fight for a bigger share, but also is like, I really don't think I should be paid that much more than Connor McDavid. No, but because the gap isn't as big, you do have to be very careful with whom you're giving $10, $11 million to. Yeah. Because if you're paying a guy like Huberto $10.5 million, That's a problem. It's a huge problem because it's only $2 million difference between him and McKinnon in terms of average annual salary, right? So that's where you get into trouble where you're paying a guy similar money, but he's nowhere near that level. John Tavares is in that situation now. He's not an $11 million player, Yeah, but that's what he gets paid. Pedersen can get $12 million. Is he going to live up to it? I mean, we'll see. Is it going to be in Vancouver or not? Like, we don't know. He hasn't signed a contract yet, right? Like, we, none of us know what's going to happen, what it's going to look like, right? But the reality is when we have star players like Pedersen, yeah. you want to keep them. That's what you hear the organization talk about keeping them. And it's going to cost you more money than you want. And it's going to be closer to McKinnon than you want it to be. It's kind of the reality of where things are at in the league. I think that Pedersen is still a player that's young that has a lot more room for improvement. Mm -hmm. The player you're seeing today is not going to be the player you see in two or three years. We all love what JT Miller's doing, right? Yep. He's 30 years old. Yep. He's on pace to have his best season. Now, there's a maturity that's happened in his game through his late 20s. Aging curves are different, I understand, and not every player is going to produce more, but I think Pedersen can be a far better player even if he produces less in two to three years than he is today. Yeah. So I have no issues with what he gets paid and if he's going to be worth it or not, but the reason you, see, you hear a lot of the consternation, and I can get it, is because the money that he might be getting is not going to be too dissimilar from what these guys get paid, despite there still being a big golf in their abilities. But that's not his fault. Yeah. You're telling me Elias Pettersson is going to be one of four players in the league making more than $12 million on an average annual basis? And people would look at that and say, doesn't really compute for me. You're essentially saying, well, because people look at the contract and they're say, so 
okay, he's the fourth highest paid player in the league. Let's let's say he gets the 14% of the cap and it's 12 and a quarter million. That would make him the fourth highest paid player in the National Hockey League. He's going to be judged as if he is the fourth best player in the National Hockey League. Hey, you get paid the money, expectations yeah. are going to be higher. That's just the reality. And I'm fine with you demanding more of players because they are going to get paid more. That's fine. I'm not big on get rid of this player because I don't think he's going to live up to it or not. Yeah. But that's not how I view it. Um, but if he gets the big contract, this mm-hmm. is going to happen. Austin Matthews last year, this year everyone's talking about how good Austin Matthews is, right? What were the conversations around him last year? Yeah. He had a down year last year. And he's getting paid a lot of money. Yes. And people talked about it. Is he worth the money he's getting paid? Now he's got 49 goals in 53 games. And it's fair to ask those questions because you get paid a lot of money. You're one of the top three, four, five highest paid players in the league. It's going to be part of the job for people to demand a lot from you and question you when you're not as productive as you you usually can be. And being a point-per-game player is not enough when you're getting paid that much. A couple of texts coming in, a lot of reaction on this. Uh, Sam asking, does Kale McCarr not count? Because we're talking about Elias Pettersson. We're talking forwards. We're we're talking forwards and... Generally, like defensemen just don't get paid that much. Uh, Eric Carlson has the highest percentage of the cap of any defenseman. I think even he is around uh, 14.5% with the contract that he signed eons ago now with the San Jose Sharks. And a lot of pushback on uh, Nikita Kucherov not being mentioned. Again, it was just like a rough... This was not a planned topic where we're talking about the yes. best players. You know, Reese just wanted to lump in Matthews with McKinnon and McDavid, so I pushed back the on it. The point was to lump in the three players... That get paid the most. That get paid the most yes. and have garnered the biggest contracts in the league by percentage of the cap. Yes. No, it's fair. I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> I can't blame Nikita Kucherov for taking nine and a half million when he shouldn't have. He should have fought for more with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And but no tax state and all those things. And hey. people are asking, you know, can can teams win modern can modern teams win a Stanley Cup paying fourteen to fifteen percent of the cap to a single player? I mean, when the Avs won the cup, Nathan McKinnon was not making 14% of the cap, as no, we all know. he wasn't. You can go through it again. I, I know uh, they won a Stanley Cup. The Pittsburgh Penguins won a couple Stanley Cups with Sidney Crosby yeah. when he signed, after he signed his big contract. I'm not sure if it, it added up to 14% of the cap during those Stanley Cup winning years. No. Right? Because it changes this with the Stanley when Cup. The ti- at the time of signing, that's... He was worth fourteen and a half percent of the cap. But that's going to change every year. Eight point seven million wasn't fourteen and a half percent of the cap in twenty sixteen. No, so it's going to shift too. Yeah. Like as the years go by, you know, uh, and the cap goes up as you hope that it does. That percentage of the cap for the contract keeps coming down, right? So it's about the sweet spot. But I, it's fair because when you're paying, if you're if you're paying a guy fourteen percent of the cap. It makes it harder for you to fill the rest of your roster out. Yes. So it makes it even more incumbent on those players playing at a high level so you still have a chance to be able to compete. The idea is they are worth that because they bring you that much value. And, you know, there's the, you can make the argument that they're worth, um, you know, even the max of the salary cap. Like Mc, what McDavid is. McDavid would be worth 20% of the cap, which is what the maximum contract you can sign as a player, but I think only one player in the in the salary cap's history has signed that. It's Brad Richards. Yeah, and uh, Yarmer Yager was grandfathered in when the salary cap first came in 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 oh five oh six. So players just generally don't do it because there's a thought: hey, we still have to put a team around this guy, and we still have to sign, you know, 
X number of players to put around them. We still need other star players yeah. to, to play with this guy. So, yeah, it, it does it make it more difficult? I would say it's, it's harder to win a cup without these guys on your team. So I don't think it makes it more difficult because I don't think you win Stanley Cups without star players on your roster unless you're the St. Louis Blues. Winning a Stanley Cup is very difficult. Yes. <laughs> no matter how you slice it, right? Like you have to have high level players. You have to have some high salary players, but the mix has to be perfect for it to come together for you to win. And you need some good fortune as well. Yeah. That's just the reality, right? Well, it's like the NFL, right? You... Oh, uh, is it easier to win a win a Super Bowl, or is it easier to build a great team when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract? Sure, you have a lot more money to like throw around every other position on the roster. But also, are you winning a are you winning a Super Bowl without an elite quarterback on your roster? Probably not. No. So <laughs> it's it's the catch twenty two that exists in pretty much every sport. And one of the reasons I, I, I see a lot of the stuff about Pedersen too this year, and he's not a game changer. People are texting in, and if they pay Pedersen twelve, their window is closed. Daniel and Campbell text in, and, and others uh, have a lot of um, critiques. Yes. I would say to be kind about Pedersen and whether he should get paid a lot of money or not. The way contracts are set up, mm-hmm. if you're not trying to have high end players and take chances on high end players you're not going to truly compete and be consistent and be a Stanley Cup contender. If it's not Elias Pettersson, and the Canucks wouldn't be where they are today, this season, for all this talk about Trey Pettersson, he's, he's expendable, he's not playing as well as he needs to play. Do you think it's a coincidence the Canucks are have the best record in the National Hockey League? Uh, nope. If, that if they traded Pedersen, they'd be even better than where they are? And, <laughs> uh, definitely would not be. And we started off this segment talking about he's got to be better, and there are things that he can improve and, and all that. But... It's it's kind of like he got you to this point. He's helped you be to this point here, right? And do you think it's a coincidence you're here? No. With this player? You're not anywhere near first in the National Hockey League without Pedersen, Miller, and, and Hughes. You can say Quinn Hughes yeah. deserves more. Demko perhaps deserves more. You can say JT deserves credit, sure. But if you don't have Pedersen, you're not where you're where you are doesn't matter. You take JT out, same conversation we're having here, right? But you're not even near where you are without Pedersen. Does that mean getting rid of him makes you better? Are you sure about that? Yeah. Like, and, and it's fair to have the take, but you can't be sure about it. And I think if you're dismissing this, the success they've had with him being a big part of it, I think you're, you're being unrealistic about what a player can contribute and what you're expecting out of players. And if what your expectation is, he has to be Connor McDavid or... He has to be Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Like it's, 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 he's not, no one's going to live up to it, man. It's like being like, hey, you got to be like Michael Jordan. It's like, (laughs) great. So if you're not Michael Jordan, you're not worth it. You can't, it's hard to live up to to that level of player. And you have to live with some imperfections unless you have like a godlike player. But these guys aren't godlike players or human beings. They're going to be flawed. They're going to have some ups and downs. These things are, are going to happen. But if you're not willing to invest in superstar players and take that risk, you're not going to really have a chance anyways. Uh, should they have signed him to the long-term deal uh, as a second contract rather than having to do it now at this stage of his career? Probably. Um, but there's a lot of different ways you can keep looking at this. And I know some will say, well, you don't sign Pedersen at $12 million. You can go out and get three good players with that $12 million and replace him in the aggregate. No, you can't. 
<laughs> chances are the three players you sign won't bring you as much value as the star player brings you. Let, let's just say, how about this? The Canucks have Elias Lindholm now, right? Yeah. Would you rather have Lindholm and Toffoli for $12 million or Pedersen for $12 million? Pedersen. I would rather have Pedersen. I mean, I probably, I mean, and I like Toffoli a lot too, yes. but a bit older. Lindholm's good, but it's, I mean, Lindholm, do you, do you feel comfortable paying Lindholm $8 million? I'm not Probably quite not. sure. I like a lot of the things that he does. I'm a big fan of his game. But we've talked about this even before they acquired him. If you can get him signed a bit cheaper, sure. But if you're talking about eight million plus, I'm not quite sure. But are are those two things better? I would say no. And and that's that's where lies the problem. Um, the star player generally brings you a value that is very difficult to find. How many players in the league? have had back-to-back 100-point seasons. Not many. Pedersen is currently on pace to do that. So go out and find those guys. They don't really grow on trees. And they're really hard to replace when you lose them. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Coming up, Kevin Woodley is going to join us. His take on the Canucks in their first three-game losing streak of the season. That's next on Canucks Central.